It takes time and space to grieve well, but often our culture doesn't afford us these things. Hello and welcome to the God Story Podcast. I'm Brent Siddle, and a very special guest on the show this time is no stranger to grief, believe me, or to grieving. She's Natasha Smith, a wife, mother, and writer from North Carolina in the States. Her work has appeared at Her View from Home, Focus on the Family, and Today Parents. And uh, her new book from IVP, can you just sit with me? Is the subject of the article, of the of the interview. Natasha, welcome to the show. Hi, and thank you so much. So such an honor to be here sitting with you. Oh, it's a pleasure to have you with us after power cuts and Zoom failures and all sorts of things we've had this morning. We've had quite a time of it. Now, um, this book is very practical, Natasha. I loved it. How can God use all of us though to comfort those who are grieving or who are needing help? Yes. Thanks for that question. It's an awesome question. Um, the answer is quite simple, which is the irony of it all. And it's to be simply to be more like Jesus, more compassionate, more full of empathy. You know, he saw the crowds and he had compassion on them. So it's really looking and being the hands and feet of Jesus in the earth. <laughs> yes. You write about the fact that it's important sometimes just to sit with people. Yeah. That's the main premise of the book is to you know, those who that is the, their actual hearts cry is like, okay, can you just sit with me without you don't have to have all the answers, you don't have to try to fix it. You don't have to give me any, any advice, you don't even have to quote any scriptures, just sitting just their presence, their just their presence and just a listening ear is is very has become such a very underrated thing and a very underrated practice that is really helpful for those who are hurting. Mm, something that we we seldom see, certainly in in New it's Zealand, um, and probably also in the states, it doesn't happen Absolutely. as much as it used to. You know, right now, uh, I'm going to ask you how you've personally experienced grief. Well, sister, where do we start? I mean, if anyone's entitled to write a book about grief and grieving, it's you. A baby, sisters, mother, father, nephew, aunt, sister-in-law, her child, an uncle. How have you processed all this? Mm-hmm. You know, I'm be honest and transparent. All of it, I still haven't finished processing it all, but I'm I'm on that journey. It, it's taken, like literally, it's, I've sat with grief for thirty plus years. This is mm -hmm. before I really started to do what we consider as grief work. Um, you know, I during those thirty years, you know, I tried to do things to kind of help cope or just to get through or just to get by. But re as recently as the last few years. Um, 2020 was the magic number, magic year when I started to actually do a deep dive and start trying to process all of this grief. Yes, and so it's, uh, yes, and a lot of these, uh, a, a lot of this was cancer, isn't it? Because I, I'm, um, I was going to ask you how cancer has taken its toll on your family through the years. Yes, it's been a lot of a lot of cancer. My dad, um, both of my sisters, and even um, my sister at early at an early age early ages, both of them were young. Um, I was a sophomore in college when my first sister, my older sister, Angie, um, died um, at 32 from cancer. And then um, about 10 years later, my next to the oldest sister, Sharon, died of, at for, age 42 of cancer. Yeah. And then my dad, like um, seven years later from that. Yes, a lot of these deaths were close together too, weren't they? Yeah, yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. mm. So various a succession of losses in a yes. shorter amount of time. Can I ask you how and in what ways have you found God comforting you 
Have you found God comforting you through all yes. this? Yes, absolutely. You know, at sometimes at sometimes during those losses, you know, there were times when I'm like, when I it's almost as if I had to look back to realize that he was there and comforting me. And then it was other losses that I could tangibly feel him at that moment. And so it just depends on which loss we're we're talking about. But at sometimes I, I could tangibly feel his comfort. And then at other times I was like, oh, okay, yes, God, you were there. You know, I I actually did an exercise before where I asked like, God, where were you? Because it was a time when I was like, I don't think you were there, you know, but I literally, you know, took time and space to ask God, like, where were you during this, you know, particular time or this particular loss? And he showed me, you know, Mm -hmm. it wasn't like it was a physical person or presence in the room, but it was his peace in a time when I could have like literally lost it because of everything that was going on. So, yes, I think he knows how to respond to us when we really, really need him. That's for sure. You've, uh, I don't know really what to ask you next. I'm, I'm, as I, I've got to be honest, as I read the book, I was just overwhelmed for feeling, uh, with feeling for you and, and what you'd been mm-hmm. through. I mean, I've just got through prostate cancer, uh-huh. uh, and I'm still clear, but my dad died of cancer not so long ago. Yeah. Um, can I ask you, what are some of the ways you've experienced grief? Because we all experience grief differently. I know how I experience grief, but how, how, what are some of the ways you've experienced it? From a standpoint of feelings or yes, or feelings, emotions, experiences. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's been super messy. Uh, of course. <laughs> oh, yeah. Messy and just super complex, like a roller coaster of emotion, anywhere from sadness to jealousy, you know, just seeing other people with their dads continuing to live life, you know, jealousy, guilt for, you know, maybe, especially with my dad, like, feeling like I could have been a little bit more present in the, I was there every day, but I don't know if like, I was like mentally present during like some of his last days. Cause I had a newborn uh, at the time. And so it was just, it was a challenging time frame. So anyway, so guilt. So just a myriad of just so many emotions, super complex. And you never, you know, not knowing one minute from the next where it was going to flow. Yes. I'm just trying to forgive me if these questions are too personal. Just stop oh, me no. if, 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 if you don't want me to, to pry. But I'm interested in this trying to help people who are also going through suffering yeah, and grief, absolutely. as we, mm-hmm. we've all had to. You write about grief triggers in the book. Now, this grabbed my attention, and I could really relate to this. What are grief triggers uh, for folk listening, and why is it important to recognize them for what they are? Yeah, so grief triggers are those things that, kind of jolt us or kind of bring back to our memory like what happened or the loss that had taken place or something yeah it's it's a memory it reminds us of that the the death the loss or things leading up to the loss and so most often or some of the easy ones to kind of recognize are would be like the death dates or anniversaries of a death but then also birthdays like Anytime a birthday or something comes along, but then it could also be some something like a song or a yes. scent, a smell, a dish like yes. food. Yes. So, um, and but to know that triggers, know what they are, and know what yours may be, can be almost like 
I don't want to say be on the offense, but kind of you're when you're made more aware, you're able to a little bit more know what to, you know, what's going to take place at the time. Yes. And that's where I, f- I found your book really, really helpful. For me, after my father's death for many, many months and years, I used to see my father or thought I saw my father oh. driving down the street, walking. I would turn a corner and dad would be there. And I thought I was yeah. going to start raving mad. Yeah. 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 Um, I'm glad you even said that portion because just in as this conversation and uh, having others to hear this, they know they're not going mad now. You know what I mean? Because some yeah, some things that sure. I experienced, I'm like, am I losing it? I felt yes. like I was losing it, but yeah. it's it's natural. The, yeah. This is what happens in grief. Yes, and I, no one had prepared me for that aspect yeah. of it. I'm, I'm sure we did grief counseling at theological college, but I hadn't remembered that. But and it wasn't until I talked to a dear friend of mine on the yeah. phone who mentioned that she said oh. for several months, years after my father's passing, I would see him, and I said, "Yes, that ha- that's happened to me. Thank you." Yeah. Because yes. and she sat with me during it, and we talked about it, and it was such that's a release good. because it was so weird. Yeah, you know, that's so awesome. Now, some of the things you've included, you've included grief exercises in, mm-hmm. in the book. Now, I found these really helpful. What are some of the grief exercises you've included and why did you include them? Mm-hmm. One, and I think it may be in the first chapter, but it's so simple, but it's literally like just the acronym for grief. And basically what you do is just you take the grief, the word, and you um, kind of assign a a word to it, like what what pops up or what bubbles up to the surface, and it kind of gives you a little a, a little bit more awareness of what where you are a little bit. Um, and right now, I have you know a, a team that's kind of um, helping with the book launch, and they're reading through it, and um, they were surprised at that particular grief exercise. And it's like, oh my gosh, the the words that were coming up because I think because we don't make space for grief. We don't know what's on the inside. We know it's a lot of stuff going on and brewing, but we don't make space to get those things out, and we need to. This is one of the great themes of the book, and you write about our culture. You write our culture is impatient with grief. Now, I wanted to ask you, and that's so true, I wanted to ask you, though, why? Why is our culture, why have we become so impatient with grief? Why do we not want to deal with it. And why do we have people walking up to us and saying, how are you, as though they don't know the answer? And then haven't you got over that yet, is the response that you get. I don't understand that at all. Yeah. I believe it has um, everything to do with the the fast-paced culture of our world. And I mean, it can stem from anywhere from, you know, how fast technology has changed, you know, you know, because I can just think about even when I was in college, I think we had like dial up Internet, you know, and mm-hmm. just waiting for the Internet to to um, to connect. And now everything is like super fast and same thing with fast food, all those things. You know, we have been grown to be impatient. We have been grown to just want it now and have to have it right now. And so I think grief goes right along with the lines with how culture and how society is just at that fast pace and it's like okay you you lost someone you're you're grieving we don't have time for that we have to move on to the next thing yeah how have you personally had to negotiate workplaces uh, and workplace situations where you've needed more time but your workplace hasn't been able to or hasn't been willing to give you that space or time what do people do natasha how can they how can they relate to their employers and express the need for some time out yeah, that is a hard one because th- this is a real reality now. 
with just workplaces not, for one, recognizing some of the losses that people experience as a legitimate loss. So that is huge right now. And so, I mean, even for me, thankfully for some of the losses, um, I was able to take some additional time, but still not the time that I needed. It was almost because some two of the losses, I was actually, I actually had a new newborn. Mm. <laughs> and so it kind of paired uh, with, along with like maternity leave and being able to take personal leave. But for those who are not afforded that, even that opportunity, they are right back to work. And they have not even had any time to grieve. But I wanted to touch back on real quick when employers, employers don't recognize like the loss as a legitimate loss, then they get no time. They have no time to grieve. Mm. Just say if someone was raised by an aunt, you know, it's not recognized as a mother, you know, here in the States, that's how it is. It has to be like an immediate family member to be able to request time off. And so if it's, you know, not an immediate family member, then you don't get the time off. No, I had an employer years ago, and I shouldn't probably share the story, but I'm going to because it's been sitting with me for 30 plus years. Oh, gosh. My, my A very close family member died, and I went to mm-hmm. see my employer to ask for some time off. And he said, well, if you can find someone to replace you, I suppose I'll have to let you go. And I just thought... Gosh, thanks. You know, that's such yeah. a sympathetic response. Right. <laughs> oh my I mean, gosh. When yeah. I think about it now, I don't, I, you know, I really, it's just, so what do, what's your advice to employers? If we've, if there are people listening who employ people, yeah. how, what are some of the things they could do to make this whole process easier for, 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 for folk who are grieving? Yeah. So maybe even if, if the workplace doesn't allow, like, you know, just, time off like to not be at work maybe at least make it possible for them to work from home Mm. you know they can go cry (laughs) cry intermittently you know in between typing an email no but seriously you know just you know making it available for them to work uh, remotely for for a while Mm. Um, making their hours a little bit more flexible because maybe they you know maybe they want to see go to counseling and and those sort of things. So just making their schedule a little bit more flexible would be helpful as well. Yeah, all good ideas. And in this day of flexible workplaces, surely something can be done along those exactly. lines. Yeah. yeah. Does grief help us grow? Absolutely. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, we don't like to think about it that way. You know, we I definitely don't like the the little the sentiment of, you know, um, everything happens for a reason type of thing. And what doesn't kill you make you stronger. No, but it does grow us. It, it, it really does. I mean, when you think back, anyone who has had a loss, if you truly think and are seeking to have like a truthful answer, it does grow us. It has grown, it grows us and it has potential to grow us in ways of having greater empathy for people, for our world, which is so much suffering and pain that is going on in our world. And just a heart, a heart for others, more compassion, more mm. like Jesus. Like mm. we're we're urged and we're nudged to be more like Jesus. Mm. So, yeah. One of the most fascinating parts of your book, and I hadn't thought about it in this way when I read it until I read it. You write about collective grief and invisible mm-hmm. grief and the collective grief that we've all experienced as a world since 2020. Yeah. And that brought me up short because I thought I hadn't really thought 
Mm. and seen the implications of this, but you're absolutely right. And I wonder in, in what ways have we all experienced collective grief since mm -hmm. 2020 with COVID, perhaps with the death of loved ones, um, folk being injured, whatever, whatever's happened, lockdowns, loss mm -hmm. of jobs. Yeah, what's what's yeah. actually happened to us as a society? Yeah, that's a, that is a lot to unpack. I know, um, so collective grief is just when a community or a collective group of individuals experience um, a loss. And we did that kind of globally during the pandemic for in, during 2020. And for all of us, we had some sense of a loss of security. You know, we, we thought we, you know, we had, we lost a sense of security. We lost time. You know, we grieved time. I know my husband and I that year were celebrating like a 10 year wedding anniversary. We already, we had tickets and things planned. We were going to Hawaii and uh, no, we didn't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, you know, that's, you know, that's like a, a small thing compared to what happened in our world. But just to give like a quick little example, but, you know, those were, there were people who planned weddings, you know, just big life events. And then there were just so many people who lost loved ones. And so then there, with that, there was a loss of rituals, like no funerals when. For sure. For most people that is one of the biggest times that we're able to without judgment grieve freely yep. and so to lose you know a ritual like a funeral or memorial service those sort of things where we would get typically gather i mean that's that's huge yeah how, how do we deal with invisible grief now for invisible grief um those are typically due to losses that are not recognized again as a legitimate loss and so we know that every loss is worthy of the space and grace to grieve, no matter what that loss is. And so for invisible grief, those are those are hard um, from a standpoint of so if you're the person that is grieving it, like if you're the person who has this invisible grief, you have to find a safe person. For one, Jesus is always going to be your safe person. OK, he's always going to be your safe place. We can always go and run to the feet of Jesus. And he is there with open arms to hear every single thing. He cares about every single word that comes from our mouth because he's a loving, caring father. So these are definitely the safest place that we can ever run to, but we can find safe places here on the earth. So finding our safe place in whether it's a, one person or if it's a group or even putting pen to paper, because that's what I did as well. So, mm. Have you found this a, a, a process, a, a useful process of dealing with of all of this, writing the book? Yes. 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 Again, this, and I'm, I think I may have mentioned it at, at a different time frame, but I never intended to write a book. I never, it was never on my radar, radar to do so. Um, but I found myself writing and I, I blogged like for several years, but it wasn't anything dealing with what I'm, ta what I'm talking yes. about or my book that I'm doing now. But I found it so helpful. It was such a release to get the words out and get them on paper. And then I think the Lord would just kind of nudge me to say, okay, the comfort that you are receiving, pass that along. Mm. Yes. Can we change the way we see ourselves in light of a loss? Absolutely. And I think this is really huge, um, the way we see ourselves and how we identify. I know for me, wow, I did not realize that I was so attached to a few things. You know, my I have my identity in Christ, which is 
supposed to be as a Christian should be our main thing, like identifying, like I am a daughter, I'm a child of God. Um, But I did find grief to kind of help me to say, wow, I was a little bit too attached to some of these things. And so I had to grieve some things, um, for example, like a career. (laughs) I was attached to my career and didn't realize it until I left and I grieved it. And I was like, whoa, I really attach my identity a lot with that. So yeah, so we can definitely, it really can shed light on what we have maybe subconsciously attached our, our identity to when we should find and have our strong identity in Christ. Yes. Last question, Natasha. I've grilled you long enough on a <laughs> deeply sensitive and painful subject. Uh, how can you write about using a biblical Sabbath during our times of grief. Now, I love that. How can we use a biblical Sabbath during our times of grief? Yeah, I I love it as well. And it wouldn't, wouldn't have been something that I would have thought of on my own. But when I re- started researching for the book, I was like, oh, this is perfect. Because even with the title of the book, Can You Just Sit With Me? This is about sitting with God in our pain. I mean, what other place, where can we go? He has the words to eternal life. And so it's a Sabbath is really about resting in him and resting in his character and really knowing who he is and taking that time again, Sabbath help us to make space for the grief process. And so it really encapsulates that meaning of, you know, sitting with Christ and sitting with God and having him help us in this hard place that we're in. Mm. And therefore, sitting with others to share the love yes, of, of Jesus absolutely. with other people, which I think is the, is just wonderful the way you write about it, and so helpful. Natasha Smith, thank you so much. The new book from IVP America is called "Can You Just Sit with Me?" I think from memory it's got a bit more of a title to it. Can you just remind me yes. of the rest of it? Yes, is <laughs> healthy grieving for the losses of life. That's right. Healthy. Can you just sit with me? Healthy grieving for the losses of life. I found it a beautifully written deeply sensitive and very moving book from someone um, who is, in my mind, entitled to write about grief because you have been through it, sister. You really have. And my heart goes out to you and your loved ones. Um, Thank you so and, much. And I know, my, uh, I'm sorry, my colleague uh, Ian Reid couldn't be with us today. He's he's a busy pastor. He's expecting his sixth child. <sighs> so um, he's got five boys. We're all praying for a girl for him. <laughs> but... Um, <laughs> He just I'm not sure whether that's a good idea or not, but but yes, so he, he would lo- have loved to have been here, but he sends his apologies to you. Yeah. And so thank you so much, Natasha, and thanks too to our creative team at Liquid Edge who sponsor this podcast and who take care of things behind the scenes. Natasha, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much, Brent, for having me. I really enjoyed it. Oh, look, it's, a, it's an honour and a pleasure and a joy. We really hope you've enjoyed this episode of the God Story Podcast. If you want to help us make more great episodes like this one, you can head over to our Patreon page and become a God Story podcast supporter. You'll receive our undying gratitude, plus a few bonus goodies for your ongoing support. Just visit patreon.com slash godstorypodcast. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash godstorypodcast. As always, you can get in touch with us via our website, godstorypodcast.com.